for a lot of property investors, they go off track because they do not have a written roadmap when it comes to their goals. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, a code cracker. We're going to dig into real estate lessons in 30 minutes. Is that possible? Can we do the show in 30 minutes? I've got the egg timer on. Yes, I'm going to turn it over 10 times. Hopefully, we're going to not only boil 10 eggs, but do this show in 30 minutes. I've been told sometimes the show is too long. I don't know if I can do a show in 30 minutes. I'm not crossing my fingers. So I tell you what, you know the rules, folks. You crazy urban property investors, play the show in double speed because we could be here for an hour and a half. We could be here for two hours. We've always got a lot to talk through when it comes to real estate investing. Today, we're going to talk about long-term wealth. We're going to talk about acquisitions and we're going to talk about the seven wealth plans which help people create profits from real estate. So we've got a lot to cover. And I guess it all comes down to one single question. Where does profit actually come from? How do people make money out of real estate? And of course, there is the direct uh, impact process, which is trying to add value to real estate. But that isn't just the only way to make money out of real estate. We'll talk about some of the other ways of which real estate actually works when it comes to profiteering. There are kind of four puzzles to conquer when it comes to cracking the code of profiting from real estate. Property selection is one of them. That is where we choose a great property, we make sure it's in a really good location, and of course, if we can work out how to extract value out of that real estate using a strategy, well, that helps that process. Of course, I teach the Forex growth plan around property selection. But profit also comes from some other quadrants, if you like. The first one is psychology. The second one is having a plan. And the third one is having a team. If you add all four together, property selection, having an expert team, having incredible psychology, and having a roadmap or a plan, you usually create success in real estate. And of course, psychology is the first part of the puzzle. Now, again, when I talk about psychology, it is a massive part of the real estate market because people get nervous inside of real estate and to become really quite wealthy out of real estate, it is a game of holding on to your assets. It is often said that real estate wealth and profiting from real estate is just the transformation from the impatient to the patient. In other words, people who hold on to assets longer ultimately become more wealthy. Obviously, from an asset allocation point of view, we want to choose some of the best real estate out there to achieve that. But psychology is a real challenge for a lot of people inside of real estate. 
Now, of course, real estate markets will slow down. They will also slump, but then they will recover and they will also boom. And for you as a property investor, your job is to hold real estate through periods of slow economic times, through slumps, so that eventually a recovery comes and then a boom phase comes. And of course, we just lived through a boom. Some real estate grew by 60% during that boom. If you weren't holding the asset, you wouldn't have got the boom. So it all goes together. And of course, psychology plays a part. You know, people are often very optimistic about real estate, then they can become excited, euphoric when it comes to buying real estate when things are going up. And then of course, human beings become very anxious about the future when things change. Eventually, for some people, they capitulate, they give up, they throw in the towel because they do not like the other side of the equation when it comes to economics, that quite often markets are slow for a very, very long period of time. But eventually, after contraction comes expansion. It's just the way it is. And of course, in psychology, we often see hope hit the real estate market. And of course, that often leads to the conversation that real estate is once again going to grow. So we know psychology leads to profits. We know that short-term logic inside of real estate can make you a few bucks, can also lose you a few bucks. Um, So the longer you hold real estate, the better off you're going to be. Holding real estate is a game of psychology. It is a game of outthinking what is going to happen or actually just letting go and not trying to control what's going to happen, having a bit of faith and trust in the system. But then we need a plan, and the plan is a critical part of the puzzle of creating a profit from real estate. Remember, the critical question here is, where does profits actually come from? The four quadrants, psychology, a plan, experts, or a team, and property selection. So when we think about the seven plans that I teach, you've got to have a capital growth plan, a rental growth plan, a tax minimization plan, a debt reduction plan, a wealth acceleration plan, an income retirement plan, and of course, finance or buying power plans. You know, you're going to need to borrow the money to buy the assets to get the results. So as you can see from all of those plans, like they pertain to different sections of your wealth journey. Obviously, if you're just buying something, you're probably more focused around how much you can borrow, the type of asset you can buy, and its rental performance. If you're holding real estate, you're potentially quite interested in rental growth, tax minimization, or even debt reduction. If you've you've built a bit of a property empire, you're probably more focused on debt reduction, wealth acceleration, and even financial planning or retirement planning. 
Remember, there are three phases to real estate. There is the acquisitions part. Then there is the holding, managing, and maintaining part of your journey. And then there is the living off the gains of your assets or the legacy of your work. There is basically going into retirement and full financial freedom. You're going to have to be patient along the way. Otherwise, the system doesn't work. Now, again, when we go back to the original question, which is where does profits come from? They come from the psychology. They come from having a plan. I teach from the plan perspective, the seven wealth plans capital growth, rental growth, tax minimization, debt reduction, wealth acceleration, finance plan, and retirement plan. You need to work on all seven during your uh, stewardship of owning the real estate. That's the way it works. This is where profits come from. Profits don't just come from buying the real estate. There is more to be done. Though asset allocation or the idea of property selection is a big part of the puzzle, it's not the only part of the puzzle. And when you think about it, there is so many people that just don't go the distance when it comes to real estate. In fact, CoreLogic often puts out a report that if you're going to hold real estate for less than six years, you're potentially going to lose money. Think about it. Six years is a very short time in real estate. It may seem like a very long time in your mind, but actually in real estate terms, it's very, very short. And of course, this leads us to the challenge that quite often cycles are measured And I like to measure a property cycle over a 13 to 15 year period. However, inside Australia, there are successful property investors. There are many people in the 1% club. Those people have uh, assets beyond their own home, which are proving to provide them financial freedom into their retirement. In fact, here in Australia, out of the millions of people that are investors, a very small percentage own three properties, a very small percentage own five properties. There's something like 19,000 individual people in their individual name that own five or more properties. So it is doable, but again, the reason why people succeed at it is they have a plan. They don't just work on buying a property. They work on their finances. They work on putting their rents up. They work on claiming their tax back. They work on reducing their debt. They work on alternative investments to accelerate their wealth to pay off more debt. And of course, they work on their retirement goals. This is the idea of planning. Remember the question, where do profits come from? Profits come from a plan. And a plan is probably one of the key pieces of the puzzle because the reality is real estate is a long haul. 
Uh, to get from A to Z takes a long time. And during that time, you're going to face wobbles. Rates are going to go up. Tenants potentially are going to abscond from paying rent. You're going to need to upgrade properties. So when it comes to the idea of creating profits, don't have any limiting beliefs, but understand there is a structure to the game. There are four quadrants to the structure. They are the building blocks of profiting. And of course, when it comes to the idea of the seven plans, you've got to play the game. You know, your finance plan could be not only to get a better interest rate, but also how to have an offset, pay off debt. Uh, Your rental growth plan could be how to accelerate putting your rents up or how to change your improve your property so it attracts a better rent. Of course, all of these ways to play the game allow you to hold real estate longer. Your tax minimization plan may include a PAYG variation so you claim a proportion of your tax which you pay through your wage back weekly, fortnightly, or monthly. So you're going to need... uh, to create a bit of a roadmap because a lot of the ideas around real estate are linked to these quadrants that you want to plan, you want to choose a really good asset, you want really good psychology, and of course, you want a team of experts that are your A team. Now, quite often people have a problem with choosing experts to help them. And particularly in real estate, because real estate carries this kind of, I don't know, used car salesman vibe. And to be frank, a lot of real estate agents throw out the used car salesman vibe. So I get it. You know, I was at a function just last week and someone was wearing the fish necktie. Uh, I get it. Some property people are weirdos. And of course, a lot of fake people inside of the real estate space. You know, when I first got into real estate, I learned early on that most real estate agents aren't actually property investors. My first office I worked at employed learning the craft of real estate some 30 years ago Inside of that office, there was around 15 different agents. Only one of them, the principal, had real estate as an investment. The others sold and practiced in the real estate industry without being investors. So you need to learn to understand that for you to succeed, you may need to employ people. Now, if you go to the doctor you're probably banking on that doctor's done thousands of hours of research into their craft and you don't have time to do that. So you're buying that expertise and for the most part, we kind of trust our doctor to prescribe us the right medication. It's not something we would go off and do. The same for, for example, if you had a block pipe 
uh, your drains were blocked, you would trust a plumber to come and solve that problem. In real estate, it is good to set up a team of experts. They save you time. They save you money. They help you be less stressed. They help the psychology part of the puzzle. So who's on your team? Because again, where do profits actually come from? They come from having an A-grade team. No one goes to the Olympic Games as a competitor without an A-grade coach or an A-grade support network. So you're going to need a good team. Obviously, that's great property managers, great mortgage brokers, property strategists, great depreciation experts, great accountants, which are critical to the puzzle, great property finding people, uh, you name it, you've got to assemble a team. If you're going to be an investor, if you're going to even renovate, you're going to have to make sure you trust your trades and they're reliable and you can rely on the financial process behind them. If you're going to build, you're going to have to trust a builder to deliver a outcome for you. So when it comes to making a profit out of real estate, I highly recommend building the team. If you're the smartest person in the room, the odds are you're probably in the wrong room. So the idea of going and getting external help is today the best thing most people can do. And of course, that isn't a plug for me. That is, there's some great property companies out there. There's some great people that have been doing this a very, very long time rather like a doctor, have the skill set, the knowledge, they've done 10,000 hours, they've been through different property cycles. I mean, I've been doing this for basically 30 years now, 30 years, which is an incredible amount of time to learn so many variations as to what happens inside of the real estate market. There are certainly people like me out there and of course, you're more than welcome to talk to me if you need some help with anything inside of real estate. Now, the final piece of the puzzle, of course, when it comes to making a profit is property selection. Now, on this podcast, I tend to do a lot of work when it comes to property selection, what kind of golden rules you need when it comes to property. But as we know, uh, property is a changing beast. But what is pretty common is to consider a very good location, good land, and a good build. That's pretty much the three pieces of the puzzle you need to consider. Digging down into that, that can be things like land size, land shape, topography, aspect, zoning, uh, the flood, uh, looking, you know, does the area flood or not? But then you've got more macro things like public spending, private spending, population growth, vacancy rates, transport, arterial roads, uh, you know, design flexibility, value add opportunities, gentrification, all of these things for a lot of people who haven't done 10,000 hours are confusing. So hence why property selection quite often done alongside a professional, 
helps people create financial success in their world. Now, as we know, there's kind of two parts to the property selection puzzle. You can create two approaches. One is a growth approach. One is a cash flow approach. Or you can split it down the middle and create that third approach, which is kind of a hybrid of the two. When it comes to where to invest, obviously, quite often, where we invest uh, has to make a lot of sense. And this is where I teach another plan, the 4X growth plan, which is simple. It's buy well, choose a good location, choose a marketplace which is going to improve during your lifetime, not decline during your lifetime, and choose a growth predictor or behavioral growth, something like a view that is going to help push and add value to your property over time. So obviously, when it comes to the idea of a growth property, we're always looking for drivers. And there are six drivers we're looking for. Population, economics, demographics, infrastructure, yields, and supply versus demand. These are kind of critical to the strength of your asset and how it will perform into the future. Obviously, when it comes to underlying demand, that's pretty simple. People movement, do people want to move to your area? Is it a place where you're where real estate will improve over time because of people movement. People want to live in the suburb you hold real estate in. Economic activities, underlying demand is driven by economic activities. What can people do in the place you own real estate? Can they have a job in the place you own real estate? And of course, the third metric of underlying demand is affordability. Some suburbs are driven by the fact that that's what people can spend and they want the best for their money in a certain area. Other underlying demand is scarcity. The idea that something is different, that it has a growth predictor. A predictor could be buying on a park or buying with a view or buying something which is really, really close and walkable to a trendy set of shops. These are demand factors. Obviously, another demand factor is finances, what people can borrow. And of course, this is kind of more a macro factor. This is something outside of our control. What's inside of our control is what I alluded to. Will people move to a place? Are there jobs in a place? That is something we can choose to actually buy. Supply is obviously driven by incoming supply, stock coming to market, being built, brand new construction, and also current supply, the existing pool of real estate. And of course, here in Australia at the moment, there is a pretty low level of supply given one of the methodologies of Australian real estate is to bring more migration into Australia and bring more people into the system. So 
really the system is constantly strained here in Australia. It is more undersupplied than oversupplied during a 10-year period. You'll probably have eight years of undersupply, two years of oversupply, which again links back to the idea that profits come from psychology because in periods of oversupply, you're going to have to rely on psychology. Obviously, when it comes to what all this means, it comes down to confidence and real estate markets go through periods of uh, euphoric confidence to capitulation confidence. It's just the way it works. So for us, we want to have a plan and that's why I teach the Forex growth plan that can help during both good times and bad. Hence why we want to buy well, we want to do a deal on the way in, we want to choose an A-grade location, we want to choose an A-grade city that is going to improve as we own the real estate, hence why I'm a big fan of places which have already proven themselves as cities to own real estate in. And of course, a predictor, a growth predictor. How are we going to get more growth if the market is going to provide 0% capital growth? A view, for example, will quite often create growth when the market is creating 0% growth. I've certainly helped people buy real estate where they've carried a view. Real estate markets have done 0% capital growth. The premium on their real estate, though, has skyrocketed because of the underlying demand of buying something scarce, and quite often views us scarce. So again, going back to the conversation of the four principles of creating profits, psychology, a plan, having the right team, and also asset allocation or choosing the right property to make it simple. When it comes to real estate, there are really a couple of ways to consider asset allocation. The first one is land to asset ratio, which basically just is the dynamic that if you're going to buy a house, you want some good land content, you're obviously going to have a dwelling on there, that dwelling needs to produce an income. If your dwelling is too old, the land is primarily the only worth of the asset. Your rent is obviously going to be much lower on a property with a much older dwelling where the value is in the land. So you want a good balance. And when it comes to land to asset ratio, my formula, and it differs from other people, is around 50%. You want 50% land, you want 50% build. The reason being, cash flow is king. The more income we can get from the land, the, sorry, from the build, helps us pay off the land. It's a simple equation. When it comes to townhomes and apartments, Asset to space ratio is what you're looking for. Obviously, for townhomes, villas, and apartments, they are not blessed with large parcels of land. 
So one of the best ways to do that is to find an asset where the public space is very strong. Beaches, parks, walkways, green space. This all adds value to your asset. This creates appreciation. This often creates appreciation in a zero growth marketplace. So the most significant profits in real estate actually come from not only the appreciation of real estate, but from psychology. Psychology is time. Time in the market takes a while. It comes from a plan and it comes from having a set of experts keep you accountable to your goals. And of course, for a lot of property investors, they go off track because they do not have a written roadmap when it comes to their goals. Of course, asset allocation also pertains to cash flow. Cash flow is king in real estate. Getting cash monthly really does cushion you from market turbulence. So for real estate investors, cash flow is probably the most important part of the puzzle, albeit capital growth will make you wealthier. There are three types of cash flow in the real estate market. There are your rents, that is your operating cash flow. There is your spare cash flow, your job, your overdraft, your buffer, your offsets. This helps you control your debt levels in real estate. And the final form of cash flow in real estate is other people's cash flow. Yes, other people's money, OPM. OPM is a really critical part to the puzzle. If you're buying property and you can use other people's money or you can uh, get yourself a deal or you can get yourself a discount, all of a sudden your cash flow profile improves. Three forms of cash flow. Cash flow is king. Operating cash flow, spare cash flow, other people's cash flow. The moment I realized other people's cash flow was a thing, my world changed forever. I today... For a lot of things I do, particularly in business, I use other people's cash flow. I go and ask people wealthier than me, will they invest in things that I'm interested in? Other people's cash flow. So in real estate, of course, you can get other people's cash flow through all sorts of things. You can just simply find a distressed property and buy it for cheaper. Other people's equity, other people's cash flow. You can get an abatement on a deal if you can negotiate it. Uh, I've negotiated vendors to pay deposits for people. Other people's money, it is out there. But at the end of the day, we want really good asset allocation. We want to use the Forex growth plan. We want to use the six key drivers for where growth comes from, supply and demand, population, economics, demographics, infrastructure, the yield variation. We want to understand if we're buying a house, a villa, a townhouse or an apartment. If so, we want to use land to asset ratio or asset to space ratio. We want to then make sure our cash flow is acceptable. Now, 
Obviously, when it comes to holding real estate, you want to grow your income, reduce your expenses. You want to hold and manage your assets, eliminate debt and protect yourself. So there's a lot of work to be done there. And of course, today with where interest rates are at, a lot of people are looking at real estate and then factoring in it could be negative for a very long period of time, but it doesn't really work like that. If you assess a property today, it particularly in investment, it might be negative 100 or negative $200 per week when you run your numbers before you do your tax deductions. But for the next 30 years, your real estate is not going to be that way because interest rates change, rents obviously improve over time, and so your week-to-week cash flow actually may only be negative for the first few years of owning real estate. And quite often, it's very common for the first five years of your real estate journey, five to six years of your real estate journey, for you to top up the real estate. Eventually, though, your rents versus the debt start to create a break-even or neutral point. This neutral point is critical because no one can sustain 30 years of paying to prop up real estate out of their wage when it comes to investing because it is very probable that investor also has a mortgage that they're working on where they live. So there is a gearing point and quite often the gearing point takes about five years to get to. It's very normal. Things got a bit perverted when the cash rate went to a tenth of 1% because everything was positively geared straight away. Today, that's not the case. And we're back to a more normal state of affairs where potentially you're going to have to burn a little bit of cash flow to create an asset worth holding for the future and get yourself to a positively geared point after around five years. You do that through rent increases. Obviously, interest rates quite often level out. And of course, you've got potentially the ability to use things like offsets to reduce your debt or LVR levels. Obviously, your job is to manage your net operating income. And one of the best ways to do that is to run some spreadsheets. And again, this is where when we go back to how to make a profit out of real estate, running your portfolio with the right spreadsheets, the right calculators, the right portfolio activities is critical. And this is quite often if you employ a strategist or a coach This is what they help you do. They'll look at what you have. They'll look at your spreadsheets. They'll look at your maintenance costs, your turnover of tenancy, your principal interest costs, your interest costs, your tax deductions, your depreciation, and they'll start to make sure that your mathematics works very, very, very well. Remember, for people to be successful in real estate, it is very, very common to have to hold real estate for a period of time. And we call that buy and hold. Now, most of the focus is the buy part. 
because that's the exciting part. A lot of people like to talk about the buy part, but not the hold part. For me, the hold part is actually the most critical part because again, where do profits come from? They come from the hold part, not just the buy part. Yes, the type of property we choose and if we can get a deal on the way in can make us a few bob. But when I look at what that actually looks like, from a property doubling in value, really from deal making, you can make anywhere from 5 to 15%. Then your location, this is where the Forex plan works. The Forex plan is designed to go, well, how is my real estate going to double in value over a set period? If I can make 10% from the deal from day one, from buying well, that's great. But I've still got 90% to go before my real estate doubles in value. So location is going to be a big part of the puzzle. That can be anywhere from 20 to 30% of the actual capital growth of the asset over the period of the cycle. Better locations get better capital growth. Obviously, the market does a lot of the line share of the work. When the market kicks into gear and grows, you need to be there to get the growth. If you don't, you miss a huge section of the capital growth quadrant. And of course, that can be anywhere from 50 to 70 percent. In the last capital growth period, it was 40 to 60 percent in some cases in some markets. So deals can make you 10 percent. Location can make you anywhere from 20 to 30 percent. The market can make you anywhere from 20 to 70 percent. And of course, then there's growth predictors. Predictors or behavioral growth is the idea that if we buy something scarce, it's got something unique to it, people pay more for something unique. Predictive growth can really create anywhere from 10 to 25% capital growth on your asset, the Forex growth plan. So the Forex growth plan is really, really critical because it comes back to choosing the right asset. So now we've got the right asset, we've got a hold. This is where we create profits from psychology. We're going to have to hold through the ups and downs, the bumps and bruises of the marketplace to get the result on the other side. When it comes to buy and hold, there are a few approaches. Obviously, you can buy hold as an owner-occupier. Obviously, the burn rate of an owner-occupier is high because you do not have rental income. There are some successful property investors that simply buy a home, do it up, live in it for four or five years, sell it and go and buy another home, do it up, sell it and repeat the process. Here in Australia, that would help with capital gains tax. So the buy, hold and trade owner-occupier process is a really, really good one. However, uh, it obviously means you're going to have to live the experience. You're going to have to move you're going to be, you have to be very active with that game. You're going to have to buy something. Uh, you're going to have to capitalize when the market's right to shift the asset. Now, there's a lot of people right now who miss uh, time this one. They've bought real estate with the idea of upgrading it to uh, a new price bracket. And once they've done the maths, it doesn't work. 
and all of a sudden the real estate market's gone down and they are now negative equity sitting on something that even if they renovated it, it would be overcapitalized. And of course, to trade out of it, it's not going to happen. So they're now going to be living in a property which potentially is going to set them sideways during their buy and hold trade process for quite a while. Obviously, when it comes to buy and hold, there is buy, hold, depreciate, recycle, BDR, buy, hold, depreciate, recycle. So basically what that means is you buy a newer asset, you depreciate it and get a lot of cash flow, and then you recycle your equity out of it and go again. Uh, I like buy, depreciate, recycle because of the cash flow. A lot of my clients need to rely on the cash flow. They need extra money at the end of every paycheck to help them survive the brutal uh, price of actually owning an investment property in Australia today. So cash flow is king for many of them. Now, uh, look at this. I'm already at 40 minutes. I've failed. I'm not, I've tried to do it in 30. I'm at 40. I think we'll get to 50 again. The show is too long. People are saying the show's too long. I don't know. Uh, people from work, the show's too long. I can't listen to it. I would say play it in double speed. It's the same maths. See, this is this is a game of maths. Real estate is a game of maths. Obviously, you can buy, uh, remodel, and recycle, which is often called the Brr investor, B-R-R, buy, renovate, recycle, or buy, remodel, recycle. Again, a very good model, but you just need to obviously get your maths right. And that's where I always teach rule 70. Rule 70 is you kind of want to pay 70% of the assets value plus renovation costs to make sure that you can get your money out. And of course, let's use uh, an example with easy maths. If you had a $900,000 property that needed $100,000 of renovation, your total capital cost plus asset cost is a million dollars. You apply rule 70, 70% of that is $700,000. You need to buy that $900,000, $900,000 asset for $700,000. Obviously at an 80% LVR, that means the $100,000 you're going to spend on a renovation, you can recycle that back out of the deal. 80% of 1 million is $800,000. So you're going to be able to recycle some money back out. So by paying 700 plus 100, uh, you know, you're, uh, well, you're, you're basically in and out of the deal. Now, the Brewer investing model, again, is for the right investor, a good model. And again, it just means you need to understand your model or your plan. For a lot of property investors, that model is tough because the cost to renovate, the cost of using that extra $100,000, they have no, you know, there's no guarantee you're going to get the money back out of the renovation. So for a lot of property investors, that one can be a little bit too risky. 
Hence why quite often buy, depreciate, recycle is easier because in that example, if you had that extra $100,000 that you're spending on a renovation, you potentially just buy another property anyway and do a buy, depreciate, recycle approach. But these are the buy and hold approaches and obviously when it comes to your situation, you know, everyone's different and everyone has different skill sets. So remember, when it comes to the idea of how to go out and make a profit in real estate, psychology, having an A-grade team, having an A-grade game plan and A-grade properties pushes you in the right direction. It allows you to make money because you're going to have to go through four real phases, debt creation, debt reduction, wealth generation, and wealth uh, basically transformation, which is where you transfer into retirement. Hence why I use the seven wealth plans uh, to help people because someone in their 60s is going to need a completely different game plan to someone in their 20s. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. I'll catch you on the next one as we talk more real estate. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.